ready for the interview And if you get a cue live on the laptop Watch what I'm gonna do Welcome to the show Let them know we got a point of view Hey, yo, let's have a combo. Say what you feel, be real That's the motto Real talk, pronto Doctor D, PhD, hit the intro Hold up, wait Gotta be social Network global A home for the locals Gotta be social Network global A home for the locals Coralie, thank you for joining me. I appreciate it. Oh, yeah. Thank you for having me on. So I came across your topic and I was like, man, I haven't talked about this before. Kind of the automotive technician, customer service. And I thought this would be an interesting episode. So uh, I'm looking forward to chatting about it. Yeah, it's one of those things that only comes up usually when, you know, somebody's complaining about a shop that they've been to, right? Right, exactly. So how did you get into this first and foremost? Uh, like into the automotive industry yeah. itself? Yeah. Um, it just, I've been thinking about that a lot. And it seemed like a natural thing just when I was in grade 12 in high school, there was a poster on the door saying, uh, first year automotive technician course. So I was like, aha, I'm going to take that. Just didn't need to think about it or anything. Sailed right into it. Interesting. Well, what drew you into it? Like, was there anything particular thing about it that you thought, man, this, uh, this resonates with me? Hmm. Um, I guess I've always been a car enthusiast and my parents were kind of car enthusiasts as well. Like, um, they like to tell a story that my dad had a Camaro and him and another guy were racing and then whoever won got to pick up the girl. Right. And that was yeah. like my mom and her friend and her sister. <laughs> so they carried on with him after that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now did, did time with your dad, did that influence you as well with, or were you like working on cars growing up or anything? Or Not per se, I guess. Um, my dad was a stunt person in a tv show so we always had the boats at our house and being worked on so i guess it was just a very familiar environment around tools and um uh mechanics and parts and everything and what's that like Mm -hmm. your dad being a stunt person (laughs) i mean that's a different (laughs) that's a different life there oh yeah he's retired now (laughs) Mm -hmm. but uh i guess it was just normal (laughs) not anything I'd really need to think about, but I guess it would be neat that we'd get to go down and, and watch a show being filmed in our community and to have family members in it was, was neat. I guess tourists still visit there nowadays. It's funny how somebody interprets that as being normal when a lot of people don't have that experience. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I think I'm like, I don't, I never knew anybody whose dad or mom was like a stunt person growing up, you know, Mm -hmm was into that but it's normalized for you because you it's what you knew you know yeah and then like he's uh or you know his dad worked on the water on tugboats and he worked on tugboats so again is like a a natural progression we need somebody to work on the water and expand their skills yeah no Mm -hmm. you're very matter of fact about it i i you're like yes what i did you know (laughs) yeah So when you sign up for the class Tell me about the journey once the class started and how that kind of launched you to where you're at today. Oh, okay. Uh, so I would have been 18 going to mechanic school or, um, or first year automotive technician. And I had to go to a different community, like one ferry boat ride away. Um, and starting in there, there is probably about 17 of us, I think. Uh, and there were three females. Um, 
So not a not a ton of females in there yet. Uh, the instructors were super nice. I can't say I really faced any discrimination there. Everybody sort of brazzes everybody anyways. So mm-hmm. there's a bit of poking and jabbing, but it's kind of how it works. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And then I was one of the few who actually had like a clean um, full driver's license. So I got to do um, deliver parts and pick parts up as well. And it really gave us a hands-on approach to the front counter as well, like a whole um, how the industry will work. So in the morning, we did classroom time. In the afternoon, we were in the shop uh, working on vehicles that we had there. And then a few customers would bring theirs in as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. Like, so let's just dive into this. People generally have a problem with taking their car to get it, get it fixed. Mm-hmm. Not happy about the process generally, or they think something's happening behind the scenes. They're getting overcharged and stuff. Let's explain this world. Let's build this world because I think there's a disconnect between the customer and the technician and what's actually going on. With that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there definitely is for sure. And that's sort of like my life goal is I feel that there's a few bad apples that spoil the bunch for us. Like there's definitely people doing dishonest things, but I don't think it's general or for the most part. I think where the issue is happening is um, the shops not being able to explain what's happening to the vehicle or what's happening with the customer's vehicle to them and them not understanding. Like just earlier this week, I had a dentist appointment (laughs) to get some fillings done. And I was giving an estimate for it to be one price. And then when we're done, it was a different price. So I was like, aha, uh-huh, this is exactly how the customers are feeling. You know, and, and so to give like an itemized list of each tooth, what was happening, you know, it, it must be the same for customers in their vehicles. Yeah. And, and which is, I think it, you've made a very good kind of connection between things like dentistry or um, hospitalization and getting your car fixed. It's often a mysterious number to a lot of people like how could it cost that much type Mm -hmm. of thing you know so can you explain a little bit i think our viewers really dig this because there's just so much of a veil about this like a confusion of like well how could it cost this much and and how can i better understand what is actually being done without knowing the jargon or a lot of people don't know about their cars like they Mm -hmm. don't know that the intricacies behind it you know yeah, for sure. They are very complicated. And unlike the human body, which never changes, there's just sort of a couple of different models, right? Whereas cars, there are so many different models and where things are located in a vehicle isn't always the same. Um, so when a customer brings their vehicle in and they have a problem, if the the service advisor and technician don't do a good job in explaining it to them, you know, what needs to be done and why the price is. And if there's any changes, then then that's sort of where you get the idea that you're being ripped off because you don't understand what you're getting. What am I getting for this $1,300, right? right. And everybody has a story like that. <laughs> you know, if, if you don't have one, you've probably yes. heard of one, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, for hmm. sure. I've, I've had plenty of those stories in my past. And how do you, how can you bridge the gap? between the customer. Like, I know, I think this is part of your book and everything. How do you bridge Hmm. the gap on this to create a better kind of best practices? Hmm. Yeah. So like when I, sorry, I'll back up slightly, like Mm -hmm. when I'm job searching, I, um, 
people would ask me, what do you do when customers get upset? And I'd be thinking when customers get upset, uh, that rarely happens. Like maybe once or twice a year that you encounter somebody who's unhappy or dissatisfied with their repairs. So it got me thinking about what I'm doing that's different than everybody else, what they're doing. Um, So I try to be as transparent as possible. Like you get the customer complaints down. um, And then, so you're kind of like a translator in between the customer and the mechanic. You have to ask the customer questions, give it to the technician. They do their portion and give it back to you. And then you have to explain it in words that they'd understand. Um, So what I like to do is, is one, if the vehicle is there, um, be able to bring the customer in to have a look, to see what's going on. Like this is the, you know, that noise that you're hearing, that's the reason why, you know, to be able to show them. Um, And then if that's not possible, you're able to to take pictures of it, to text, to email. We have so much technology available now. And then third, there's, there's a lot of pictures that are online that you can find to be able to show them, you know, if you can't use their real vehicle. Now, you mentioned transparency. Can you break that down a little bit more? Like how transparent do you get with the customer so that they they feel like they trust you about the whole situation? Mm-hmm. Well, I guess you can't really show them like <laughs> what your, your bottom line is or what you pay for parts, right? Sure. But understanding like how long something will take and first off, just being able to see an invoice with the breakdown of everything on it, yeah. like like your, um, you know, your transmission service is going to be this amount of money for the labor. And then next, you, we need this filter for it. And it takes this amount of fluid. So having everything on there so they can see, you know, you can even have a, a sample of the transmission fluid to show a customer or explain like how, how dark it is or if you're seeing any flakes in it or anything like that, like the more detail that you can share about the customer's vehicle. What are some other practices that there, what, so this may be beyond, like, what are some customer service techniques or things that touches that you provide to create maybe a more inviting, warm environment? Because, you know, when people like, they're already in a bad mood that they got to get their car fixed. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, you don't want to, there's certain things or services you get that you're already in a bad mood before you get there about Hmm. it how do you help kind of psychologically with the customer with this you know the de-escalate that feeling almost you know okay like if somebody's worked up and yeah they're already worked up because (laughs) oh i gotta come and bring my car and uh you know it's just everybody's had that feeling you know yeah nobody's pleased about it i find there's usually like a, a root for for why that is like like what not having a vehicle um, what other grief it's causing in their life. Like maybe they have a spouse that needs to go in for a medical procedure or they drive the lady down the street to get groceries once a week um, or, or pick their grandkids up. So to find the root of the problem on, on why they're anxious about not having a vehicle and then helping them solve that, come up with a solution. Like if it's something on their vehicle that we can wait and schedule at a more convenient time or, or coming up with a solution like, finding them a, a rental vehicle or something like that. Yeah. You know, the rental vehicle thing is, is, is interesting because I feel like that's a great touch that I haven't seen a lot mm-hmm. with places because I know in my life I've had things happen and I need to get somewhere. And I'm like, is there like another car I could use or something like, you know, and now like it, maybe it's the same where you're at, but like, I would just probably just call an Uber or something oh, like that, yeah. you know, I would do that now, but you know, that didn't exist back in the day. 
So, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, we don't have Uber here yet. And no? No. <laughs> oh, I think no. I forget why we're fighting against it. You're in Victoria, but, right? Is yeah, that- in Canada. We're not far from each other, you know. Yeah. So I think the mainland, like Vancouver, has Uber, but I don't think we do yet. Yeah. But I can't remember the reason. Right. But mm-hmm. I mean, I guess so now you could technically do that. But I wonder about you said about like finding the root of the issue. Is that something you do? Like you would actually go out and talk to them about those root causes? Or cause I haven't seen that done by any technician before. Oh, okay. Um, I guess it would kind of go along with a timeline and and with COVID now everything's being longer than it should to way of doing it yeah but but coming up with a timeline like you need it this is what our time kind of looks like or our timeline is what does yours look like and then and then problem solve from there yeah I I think also like with people it's like that like everybody's probably had this experience where you you roll up to the car place and the person's not exactly that nice <laughs> you know like they're kind of like not the customer service mm-hmm. is not great and i think that so you're already not feeling good about it and then somebody comes out to greet you and they're not in a great mood you know what i mean like it, it already creates just mm-hmm. more tension so is there like techniques for customer service you talk to other technicians like hey here's some ways to kind of create a, a better environment you know yeah so so i find it's like a, a team thing um like in the last group that i was talking to or coaching um sort of knowing like how your team is and if somebody is having a bad day or like have you seen uh, hell's kitchen where people get in the weeds yeah yeah, you know, exactly. just nothing is going right. Just right. everything after the other. And that's like not a time when you should be talking to the customers. So I usually recommend that, you know, figure out for yourself what you need to bring your, you need a snack or taking five minutes away for yourself. And then also recognizing it in your coworkers and, you know, recommending to them, hey, why don't you take it? a few minutes or something like that to take care of themselves as well. Yeah. You know, it's interesting Mm. that you have had very little bad experiences with customers, but when you have had those experiences, what have you leaned on in order to kind of turn that experience around? Uh, I'm trying to think of like the the first few that I had and one, when I was like a, a new employee or just learning how to be a service advisor, maybe my first year of figuring it out. And I was the only one on the counter. And this guy came in who was, who didn't want to talk to me because of my hair color and gender and everything like that. And then he made me cry too. So that wasn't fun. Um, (laughs) So I did go into the shop and then one of the technicians came to talk to him be like this is the person at the counter that you talk to and if you are not going to be doing that then you're not welcome here and the next day he came back with like a meat and cheese platter to say he's sorry so i find having a a team to back you up as well (laughs) so we're talking about like you had a gentleman who came in and who was upset with you Mm -hmm. 
And uh, I wanted to kind of expand upon that. You said it was kind of older gentlemen kind of about that. Can you talk further about that? Uh, uh, well, I guess I would have been in like my 20s and he'd yeah. be in my, or probably like 40s to 50s now. So at this age, probably not, <laughs> not an older gentleman now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. yeah. yeah. Um, so I feel like, like in general, what I advise people to do too, if they encounter an angry customer and they're just furious for, you know, like if both people have high emotions, then it might be time to bring somebody else in and to talk about it or to take a step back because it's not going to get productive from there. No, you know, at, at that moment, I can't change my hair color and, <laughs> you know, my gender to talk to you. Right. And just yeah. nobody else is available. Now, is, I mean, is it generally, can, is it generally populated by males, the automotive technician industry still at this point? Um, technicians definitely are. Um, there is more of a push to get females involved, especially since the, the trades numbers are um, technicians in every other trade for that matter um, is more in demand. Mm. So I know they're making an effort to get more females in there, um, which would be great as somebody pointed out that like half the customers who come in are, are female, right? So not everybody is a man or identifying as a man. All right. Sorry, I'm trying to <laughs> reword. I got it. Totally. Mm -hmm. I totally got it. So tell me a little bit about uh, the book uh, that you've written and kind of your some motivations behind it and just some practical lessons from it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so that I started it like five years ago and then never ended up finishing it. And during COVID seemed like the perfect time to, to finally get it done. Um, so it's basically starts from beginning to end, like how to, like from the skills that you should have before you even start and like tools that you'll need to, um, you know, asking the right questions on the phone, booking the appointment, um, making up an estimate, presenting it to the customer, um, what should be done when the vehicle is complete as well, and then how to handle, um, complaints from customers as well as if something's not working with your coworkers. Interesting. Now, mm -hmm. how, what's the response been to your book? How do you feel like people receiving it? Um, fairly good, actually. <laughs> it's so much fun to like, just log into Amazon and see what the sales are. And, uh, I think like 48 hours ago, I sold like seven in one day. So I was like, yeah, because yeah. awesome. there's, not very many books in that category if you go onto Amazon and search service advisor. Um, there's, there's not too many available. I mean, there's not a lot of people going on podcasts that are talking about what you're talking about <laughs> that I, this is what stuck to me. I was like, okay, you know, in what I do, there's like a lot of the same, a mm -hmm. lot of similar talking, a thing about essentially about best practices, overcoming objections, fears, you know, imposter syndrome, all this stuff, making money. And all of a sudden I scroll, scroll, Coralie, whoa, this is different. This is different. I want to talk to the different stuff that's mm -hmm. going on. Yeah, not that. too many automotive technicians that are. No. Well, what's been your books. experience talking about this with other people? Um, good for the most part. Um, like you, like I do phone consults with like owners and service advisors before I set them up to work with them and to coach them online. And 
oftentimes, and same like when I'm interviewing as well, I'm often not like the first choice, but I'm the last choice. <laughs> so like when going for a job, like remember this one time I was like, looking for employment and there was this other guy in the community and I do an interview and he do an interview and he get the job and then I'm still looking weeks later right and then he's end up leaving or got canned from that one and now he's interviewing and again the same place that I'm trying to go to and I think it was like at three or four different places like this guy got the job over me wow I mean mm -hmm. is, you think it's a gender-based deal for that there might be a little bit of that. Probably no one's ever an answered the question when I've asked them. Oh, so you actually, asked, that. you actually asked that. Yeah, question. I have. Yeah, I, I have a couple of times and, and yeah, one time nobody, cause you have to do it by email and zoom, right? So nobody actually answered. So mm -hmm, it's just interesting and, and different, but I'm usually, yeah, not the first choice, but I'll be the last choice. I mean, that seems mm -hmm. like it's probably very frustrating to deal with that. It can be, but I'm not usually job hunting. So um, so it just sort of brings it up every so often. When I remember, I hear like a different female who's looking for work and is having a challenging time as well. So do you mm -hmm. feel like there's something about you that makes you unique to be in this industry um, as a female or and, and also do you um, talk to other females about getting into the industry? Those are very good questions, and I'm currently reflecting on them. Um, as for talking to other females, just like this past year, I've tried reaching out to our training authority and working on volunteering with them to, um, to do whatever might need to be done, like going into classrooms or job fairs or something like that, just to talk to you know, younger ones that might be interested in the trades. Uh, so I'm currently working on that. I haven't done it as of yet. Um, and then I have heard that, in fact, that I am kind of unique in this industry myself. Um, and I'm trying to figure out what would, <laughs> what, what I have that would, you know, would help other people be able to succeed in here as well. So. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, I just, I think reflecting on, kind of your place in an industry is, is an interesting thought, mm -hmm. you know, so you kind of just get used to working and working, 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 but you don't often reflect on how do I stand out or what makes me different or, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like that's, I'm not sure we spend enough time in any business thinking about that, you know? Yeah. I, I do participate in, a couple of different sports that might contribute to that. Like I do, I got into autocross a couple of years ago mm. where you like drive your car around cones and see who can do it the fastest without hitting them. <laughs> so, so I do that and I have a motorcycle and scuba diving and rock climbing. So I think that might contribute to having a, a thick skin. I and I was see. thinking about those too, like the, that excitement that I get from participating in those sports is the same thing that I feel when I'm talking to a customer and explaining to them what their vehicle needs and showing them and then seeing that aha moment that they have, like, like where they've learned something new. So it's the same kind of excitement. I have a, I have a question that I, it just popped in my mind and I'm, and I'm like, well, you know what? I'm curious to hear your answer about this. 
as, and, and maybe you've thought of it, maybe you haven't, but where do you see the automotive technician industry, that business going as we're starting to see a shift towards more electric vehicles mm-hmm. for that? And what are your thoughts about that? And how do you see that working as, you know, as the future with fixing cars and things of that nature? Hmm. Yeah, I know that it takes away a bunch of components that go along with gas and diesel, but there is still going to be work that needs to be done on the vehicles. Like it, it still needs tires, you know, there's still um, heating and air conditioning and suspension in the vehicle as well. So I don't think it's going to completely eliminate the technician or the need to bring the vehicle in. I know it'll have not the same service intervals that um, gas right. or diesels will have, but it still has working component, working and moving components. So, yeah, I was just curious about that because I wondered if there was opposition or if there's like, hey, yeah, you know, this is great. It's just a different way of looking at cars. I, I, I have never talked to anybody in your business about it. So that's why I was like, oh, this actually could be a really good peek into the mindset of somebody who works in it and sees this kind of coming. Yeah, I guess it depends on the technician's mindset and where they see themselves in their career. Like if, you know, they're not, if they're going to be retiring before they have to completely, you know, we switch over to electric vehicles, or if they're going to be learning and changing and just figuring out new ways and getting the technology to be able to work on them. So yeah, it, it depends on where the technician sees themselves. Yeah. You know what I find interesting with you is I almost feel like you you don't see yourself as being unique, like in a sense, as though you're extremely unique in, in this. That's what I think is kind of this interesting play here. And you're like, I'm reflecting on it, but I'm like, no, you are. Like, you're like, I don't think there's many people doing what you do. Like in my life, I'm 43 years old. I've rarely seen a female technician or someone doing it, like ever, almost ever. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in the United States, especially, I mean, if you go a certain the Midwestern part of our country, I mean, you may never see that ever. Oh, right. I'll have to do that one of these days when, when travel isn't so restricted. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. guys have some amazing car shows in there. I have yeah. to go check out for sure. Right. Mm-hmm. So car yeah. shows, you've been in the car shows too. So that's, that's a thing for you? Uh, not personally, no. But, no. you know, since COVID and I've been making more connections with people in the States and around the world too. And there are some organizations in the States that are or, or teachers of automotive technology in high schools that are doing their best to, to bring up this next generation of technicians and, and give them what they need. Um, so they help them out with tools and, and finding employment that works with them. That's not going to be a, a bad experience. So I'm connecting with those groups as well. And, and we're working on ways of how we can, how we can support them. That's really cool. I mean, Hmm. I think getting more uh, females or non-males into that business, I think would be a very good thing, honestly. Mm-hmm. I really do. I, I've talked about this at length to a lot of different people, but whenever we empower females, we educate women and we, or non-males and we, and we lift them up in society, society statistically becomes better. And I think we feel better. So I, I think we still have these gender norm stereotypes about what a man or a woman should do as a job mm-hmm. on some level. And I still think like 
automotive work is still very much seen as a male dominated thing. At least in the United States, I feel like that's just my opinion. I still feel like it's still a thing for some reason, you know? Yeah. And, and still, I find it very unique as well when I encounter somebody else, because you don't see very many females. Like when yeah. I took my car into the dealership, because it's under warranty, then it's like, oh, there's a female that just came out to, <laughs> yeah. to check my TPMS sensor for me. Oh, <laughs> I know. Like, mm -hmm. when does this happen? You know, it's like, it's just a different deal. So that is one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you because I wanted to get your story out there. It was mm -hmm. like, hey guys, this is a different look. This is unique. Like we need to see more of this. Yeah, for uh, sure. And that's on. definitely my goal. And even if, you know, like everyone says in high school, we should have those classes that teach us, you know, give us some life skills and not just Shakespeare, right? So if people had a basic understanding of like how to check their tire pressure and- yeah and a few other maintenance items like change a tire and such then they would have more understanding like if a customer pops in and wants to like has a low tire light on for example um a lot of people just get really service advisors get annoyed oh, okay fine we'll go and check them and fill them out yeah. and then they complain this person came in how dare they ask me to do this it's like <laughs> <laughs> i like to do is you know you, you have some tire pressure gauges there for sale and you go out with them and you show them like where to find what pressure their tire should be at, which is in the driver's door jam. Usually if you open it, yep. not the, not the highest amount that's on the tire. <laughs> and then, and then you teach them how to do that. And then they feel empowered. They're not going to come back next time to, you know, bug you to have you do it. <laughs> they you. can do it themselves and they have a new skill and it leaves both you and the customer feeling great. Yeah, that's such a great point. And I think it, it teaches to the point too, it's like, it may feel annoying, but honestly, a lot of people don't have that knowledge. It's not like people are telling you this stuff when you're growing up. And mm -hmm. it's, there's a gap in so many things that children don't learn about as they become adults or the parents are expected to tell them about it. But what if they don't know either? I mean, nobody told me where to look for like the tire pressure and stuff like that. <laughs> Like I'm looking at this, there's plenty of times I've taken my car in the past and I'm like, uh, something happened here. And, they, and they're like, this is like, you know, in their mind, they're like, this is so easy. Like, why would, you know, like, but the, but the consumer doesn't know that's the point. Like, and I'm sure for the technician, there's stuff they don't know either. And other things in life that somebody else might be like, you don't know this point is we all need to be open-minded about it. And what's easy to you may be very difficult to someone else. Cause they just didn't. They might be ignorant too because they just weren't exposed to it, you know. Mm -hmm. Like I mentioned with my dental work earlier, yeah, I know nothing about filling cavities. I mean, who does? I mean, you go in there and you, you're like, "How does this work?" And especially in America, I know Canada it's very different, but like in America, the healthcare system's crazy. It's like literally crazy, mm -hmm. and and the cost is astronomical. No one knows why the cost or what they are the whole thing. And it's very frustrating. So if the system is already super frustrating and nobody knows what's going on, you're inviting tension to the process. And I think, think about it with the automotive aspect, there's just already tension because people don't want to be inconvenienced by their car not working, you know? Mm -hmm. So you yeah. have to be able to deal with that with people in a way that they feel like, okay, this person's not out to price you know, gouge me 
or just take all my money, that type of thing. So I actually think it's a harder job because of that fact. You, you're getting people who are already mad as hell already about stuff, you know? I like to think though, like, cause there is a, there, like there's a lot of automotive sales training out there, which, mm. which I've done and I've spent years selling vehicles. Yeah. But I find it, they talk about ways that you have to like, you know, get the customer to fall in love with the vehicle and like all these <laughs> sales tactics and stuff. But I think we're fortunate in repair because we don't have to build that. We don't have to, um, you know, make them fall in love with it. They, yeah. they have a problem. They've come in with a problem and it's our job to find the solution as quickly as possible for them. Right. So we can kind of, so, well, we shouldn't, you know, bypass building rapport and stuff that just is, you know, comes naturally at the beginning there, but yeah. it, I feel we have an easier job than, than salespeople who are selling the cars. Right. That's an interesting perspective. Well, Coralie, this has been very educational. I really appreciate learning about some of these things. In the end, I want to educate myself and educate other people, hopefully through this, that, and hopefully someone watches this and, is, and hears this is inspired by seeing mm -hmm. you. Hopefully another non-male or female is like, wow, I, it's good to see someone else. Because often you don't think you can do something until you see someone else doing something. Yeah, that for sure. Looks like you or yours is a gender, like whatever it may be. So uh, you're, you're an inspiration. Oh, thank that. you. Yeah. I was just thinking too, as you were talking, like, um, you know, like girl guides or something like that with how I'm trying to branch out and volunteer and teach people, like that might be a good age bracket. So if anybody... <laughs> would like a, a zoom meeting on vehicles and with some girls. I mean, boys, what a great kids, idea. Teenagers. Yeah. What a great idea. I mean, think about it. If you're able to sit down, you know, let's say a group of parents say, Hey, I want my kids to know about this to at least have some surface level. I think mm -hmm. there's a lot of value in that. And, and the kids are like, then they're not going to the service. They're like, Oh yeah. Coralie taught me about this when I was little you know, how to check this and that. There's a huge value in that, I think, on your end, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I can't look at the large scale. It's like, you know, just help a few people at a time, mm -hmm. one person at a time. And mm -hmm. Most definitely. Well, thank you so much for your time. And uh, please let everyone know how they can contact you, connect with you. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, so you can find me on Facebook and my book on Amazon, both at Five Star Service Advisor five with the word, not the number. Perfect. Thank you so much for your time, Coralie. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you for having me on. Bye.